Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Kelly Scheib, Chief People Officer at Crunchbase, a prospecting platform powered by best-in-class proprietary data. Kelly is an accomplished HR leader with extensive experience in people operations and a proven track record of partnering with C-suite members to develop, scale, and execute global human capital strategies. With stops along her HR journey that have covered a wide range of companies in all stages of development, from startups to newly public to Fortune 1000 organizations, Kelly joined the team at Crunchbase in 2022 as their first ever chief people officer. In her role, she is using her expertise and experience to set the workforce vision and strategy, creating a culture that is innovative, effective, and authentically human. With the summer winding down, the buzz around return to office seems to be heating up again as employers, employees, and their HR teams are still collectively searching for their ideal approach to the debate around remote versus hybrid versus fully in-office. For many organizations and their leadership teams, making that firm decision to go fully remote can come with some concerns. So we thought, who better to help us understand what it means to be fully remote and help us dispel some of these myths around being a remote-first company in 2023 than an HR leader who is actually doing it? So without further ado, let's get Kelly welcomed here. Kelly Scheib, welcome to the HR Works Podcast, and thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you on. Again, I appreciate you carving out some time with us today. But let's get you introduced to our audience, many of whom may be meeting you for the first time. And how we like to really kick off these interviews is understanding that spark moment. So why HR? What was that initial spark that led you to pursuing a career in human resources? Yeah, I would consider myself to be a bit of a unicorn in this regard because I, unlike most people in HR, actually chose this as a profession coming out of the gate in college. So I would argue this is not scientific. I have not done the study, but anecdotally, I would say that most people find their way into HR. Many people spaghetti their way into HR. Um, I can talk about spaghettiing careers on a different podcast, but many, many people spaghetti their way into HR. I didn't. I chose HR from my first year at Penn State. Um, very, very interested in kind of all things employment, all things employment law, all things people. I knew I wanted to work with people. I knew that was really important to me. I knew I wanted to be in business and it was just the perfect blend. And I, you know, I got bitten by the bug and just have done it for nearly 20 years at this point. Just absolutely adore my profession. It is the only thing I know at this point too. So I don't know how I could spaghetti my way out of it. So. I love this term too of spaghettiing. That is fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, Kelly. Uh, and again, it, it's great to hear just the different paths into career in HR. Again, I ask this with every interview that we have, and you get so many unique paths because you said you're a unicorn, and that that's what you set out to do from the start. And that's great to see that that's played out, and that you've enjoyed it so much that that has continued to be your career. So thank you for sharing that, Kelly. That's fantastic. Now, right off the top, as I mentioned in our intro. We're seeing this heating up again of the conversation around return to work, especially as we're approaching Labor Day. We're having this conversation right before Labor Day weekend, and we're seeing major corporations such as Amazon now bringing return to work back into the conversation. 
So what's driving that latest push that we're seeing by notable enterprise companies such as Amazon to bring employees back into the office? So, I mean, this is a really interesting question because I'm not on a campaign to say that we should only have remote employees or we should only have in-person employees or hybrid is the only way that it works. I can speak from my experience. I would say that the reason that employers are pushing for return to office is one, there's a little bit of a copycat game going on, yep, right? Sure. So um, I think it's really easy to hop on bandwagons. I think that the second that you see big pushes the other way, you'll see an equal number of people just jumping on and saying, let's go fully remote at that point. So I do think there's a bit of copycatting. I also think organizations have failed to adapt to make remote work for their organization. And it was probably related to the way it all happened, right, with COVID and it nearly being an overnight push to this remote world. Um, I, I don't think or I think organizations treated that like a transactional situation that they needed to undo. And I think that they have failed to adapt to how to make it work and don't want to put the effort into how to make it work. So it's a really quick, just come back. We know how this works here. Just come back. Right. Um, and just haven't really taken the time to approach it differently. That is such a great take. Thank you for that, Kelly. It, it seems as if 2020 obviously took all the control out of organizations' hands and you really just had to go with the flow this almost seems like an overcorrection to say, okay, hey, let's get some control back. And, and to your point, this is what so many organizations know. This is what they understand. This is what they know works, as opposed to maybe putting the extra work in to figure out what the new normal could become. It is. Knowing that, as you said at the top, that you're not looking to be the advocate, the champion solely for remote first as the only way, but you're going through, you're experiencing. We'll dig into that in a, in a minute, but yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, I don't think it's inherently bad to be in office. I think that the majority of my career was in office, um, and I really enjoyed that part of my career. I enjoy fully remote more, um, just in full transparency. But I do think that it is, I think you're right in saying it's a bit of an overcorrection. It's also a very traditionalist mindset um, to not adapt, right? So like, think about what we're doing and adapting every day to the changes that are happening around us. Think about AI, think about like all of the things that are coming our way and they're coming at us fast. They all require adaptation. Um, organizations have to be willing to put in the muscle to adapt. Yeah, that is so well said. Now, what I found really interesting, Kelly, was as you joined Crunchbase as their first chief people officer in 2022, Right around that same time, Crunchbase came out with the decision to be a remote first company. How did that decision come about with the Crunchbase team? And really, what drove that culture defining decision to be made? So that decision happened pre me. Okay. Um, I joined the organization fully remotely. Like it was, that's why I'm in Greenville, South Carolina, and they're headquartered in the Silicon Valley. Um, but it is, so that, or, that happened before me, that happened during COVID when every organization had to take the required steps to protect their teams, um, which is the right decision at that time. I think what happened, um, the stories I have been told was it worked and it worked so well. Um, our teammates were happy. They were having optionality to relocate if needed. Um, we certainly had the optionality to hire in different locations, which is such an added benefit 
um, to be remote first. Um, and it was just, there was no reason to unring the bell when there was such success on the remote first side. Right. You were seeing the wins. Why change what was working and clearly having a good result within the workforce? That's great and a really interesting way to look at it. Now, with that decision, again, you weren't there at the time when it was declared as fully remote at Crunchbase, but what challenges have you seen along the way in really becoming a fully remote and distributed workforce? Again, as you mentioned, you had spent your previous careers fully in office. So being fully remote and now leading a workforce as chief people officer, what have been some of those challenges? Yeah, I think so. So Crunchbase is remote first. So just to define remote first, we actually have a physical office in San Francisco. We have a WeWork in New York. However, when I define remote first, it is your choice as to whether or not you want to use them, right? There isn't any sort of prescribed, you must be in your seat um, on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from eight to five. Like there's none of that, right? None of that is happening. I personally hate that, but I, that's probably a different podcast, but um, so, so we're remote first, but we do have optionality, right? So I think that that's a benefit. So to answer your question, I think there are, there are certainly challenges that come with being remote first. There are certainly challenges that come with being in office. I think it's about weighing the challenges and then mitigating for them. One of the examples I use is they have these like little handy dandy devices that people who are in office put on their computer monitors that go red or green, depending on whether or not they can be interrupted. Have you seen those? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Like just a little like, so when I was in office, I'm a chatty human being. I needed something like that all the time because the second you interrupt me, I'm having a full conversation. I'm going to know everything about every one. I want to know about all the kids. I want to know about the pets. I want to know about everything. So that was a tool we used to make distractions better in the office. And similarly, you have to use tools to make remote work, right? So tools like radical transparency to ensure nothing gets lost through translation, nothing gets lost. Having a very firm communication system, you know, Crunchbase, for instance, a very heavy Slack culture but the transparency is there for all that we do. So there isn't, there's not a lot of, I think the term now is gatekeeping. There's not a lot right. of gatekeeping happening. I think that we've approached remote first in a wildly intentional way, meaning that we acknowledge that there were going to be things that were different, right? Um, being in a remote first environment. And we try to address those things similarly to the way an in-person organization would address the distraction issue. Yeah, you're thinking about it up front. As you said, by being remote first, that's going to be at the front of a lot of the decisions being made for the workforce, for your people. It is. It is how we, you know, how we show up with rules of engagement. You know, we have an entire rules of engagement program about how we show up with our communication, how we show up on our platforms, you know, my team, for instance, one of the things that we're pretty into these days is body doubling. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with body doubling, but quite often we will just start random Zoom meetings together and just work together um, for no reason other than to create that more office vibe without having to leave the home that you're currently residing in. Wow. I've never heard of that. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool tips and tricks and tools that we have employed but it is a journey. It is certainly, I would never sit on this podcast and argue that we have it all right. 
I would say that we're very intentional in our approach um, and very intentional in what we do. I will also say that remote works for us because remote is driven from the highest levels of the organization. I think some of the challenges that some of these organizations that are trying to go remote will have is that if it isn't something that's bought into from leadership, it's not happening. Like stop the fight. It's not happening. And I, I think that's sad, right? I think that's sad that leaders wouldn't be adaptive, but I do believe that it requires highest level of org to champion it. And certainly we have that in our CEO and our executive staff. Yeah, that's that idea of leading from the front or having top-down leadership. If your leaders aren't bought in on being remote first or being open to that more flexible workplace arrangement, it's ultimately not going to work. It's got to tie into your culture. And if, again, there's not buy-in at the top level, it's going to be tough to implement and get off the ground as well as it could be, as as successful as it could be. When conversely, if you've got full buy-in, you're going to see those benefits. Yeah. And I think that that's, I think that's huge. I think it's instrumental. Um, Crunchbase has a very strong people-centric environment. We believe in people bringing their full selves to work. um, And that makes it work for us. Well, I'm sure you're finding that when you can balance your life a bit better and make it work for you and make your personal life work around your work life, that's going to allow employees to bring their full selves into the workplace and really bring a different energy and a different level of passion into what they're doing, which which is going to drive culture and ultimately be a good thing. So what are some of those benefits that we're seeing being remote first? I think I can name endless number of benefits. Um, so So certainly from a very tactical human resources perspective, it's the optionality to increase your hiring pool, right? So where you can hire from now expands greatly. Um, In this day, hiring is a lot easier if you're remote first, right? Because the number of employees that want to be remote is exponentially higher than the number of employees who even want to be hybrid or in person. So you're seeing floods and floods of applicants, which is really different than like what I even saw when I was in person during, you know, the really booming economy of where jobs were, jobs were plentiful. We weren't seeing as much applicant flow. The applicant flow is incredible. Um, Now I will say that that is just a very tactical thing. I, I can speak from personal experience, the ability to be a full human in my workforce is a pretty remarkable thing. And I think our employees like truly appreciate that. The fact that I can stand outside and watch my children come home from the bus stop is a gift um, and something that I do not take lightly. And I think a number of our employees feel the same way about Even the way we work remotely, right? So the way we work remotely is um, we have core work hours and we have synchronous time. We also have asynchronous time. So the optionality that you have to be able to flex your schedule in accordance with the synchronous times is is just remarkable. It gives you, you know, optimal flexibility. Well, you talked about earlier that transparency piece too, and that really gives you a chance to be transparent and open and honest about what's happening in your lives. As you said, you can meet your kids at the bus stop and be honest and open about that with your employees and share that as part of you. That's great. Yeah. And I think that that is, I've, I've lived in this HR space for a while and I've also like grown up in it as well and have had children and have, you know, have had all of the life things happen. And for so much of my life, unfortunately have been required to hide it right? I wasn't supposed to bring that side of myself to work. 
Um, I've been quoted repeatedly of saying this in different podcasts that I've done, but I'll say it on this one. Once upon a time, I was told by a very senior HR leader that when I was at work, I was at work. And when I was at home, I was a mom and I was not to separate them. Wow. Yeah, that sounds so dated and seeing where we are now. It does, but it wasn't that long ago. Right. And I think that that is, that's just a shame. And we don't have to play that game at Crunchbase, which I appreciate very much. Well, thank you for sharing that, Kelly. Now, as we said, again, this is not to say that remote first is the only way for organizations to go. There's a lot of options out there. And I think we're still clearly seeing that as organizations, as HR leaders, as teams are trying to figure out what their best balance is for their culture. But I think it'll be great on this episode to help dispel some of those myths we're seeing around remote work. So if you don't mind, I'd love to dig into some of those myths we're hearing and unpack those, see what your experience has been with them and hopefully dispel some of them. So the first one just to dig into, and I think this is one we commonly hear, is that you can't build company culture in a distributed team. What's been your experience there? Well, I can give you some real numbers on this. Do Listen, it. I have been in person for a long time, and we did the engagement surveys, just like to give you some like real numbers, right? We did the engagement surveys, and quite frankly, culture was never high up there. It was never one of the big things that you, even even in organizations that were winning awards like best places to work and things of that nature, culture was never as high as it is at Crunchbase. Our culture numbers are extremely high, extremely strong. Um, I believe our last engagement survey had something like 90% of our employees saying it was like a great place to work. Um, that is remarkable. Yeah, that's great. I will say anecdote like so it's always good when things are going well right like culture is culture is easy to build when the sun is shining and for a long time the sun was shining at Crunchbase and I still think in part it still very very much is um, we did have a recent restructuring it was a strategic restructuring to you know just change course a bit so we did have to say goodbye to a number of our team members and I will say that the strongest example of culture for us was how our employees showed up for their teammates. Not only the teammates that were remaining, but the teammates that had left. Our teams showed up in remarkable ways, amplifying posts and making sure employees were celebrated when they landed new jobs. And I just think that there's nothing... There's nothing clearer about a culture than when things aren't going well. That's when you see a culture um, and the culture that you've built. Um, and it was it was just remarkable to see our organization show up. Culture is not something that I set. Culture is not something that my team sets. Culture is something that we are as a business. And I was really proud of the way Crunchbase showed up. Yeah, I mean, you said it so well, Kelly. Tough times really are going to test your culture and really show what your culture is made of and, and where it's defined and, and how it's held up. So that's great to hear. Then even in those challenging times, that's where your culture has been able to shine through. All right. So now myth two, employees are less productive when working from home. What have you seen with that being remote first company? I think that's fascinating. I think that's such a funny statement to me because I would love to see the data that supports that statement because it doesn't exist right right because no one like how you measure productivity is wildly nuanced um i would say that that's completely untrue right as long as you're measuring the goals that you establish in your organization you shouldn't ever have to feel like you're measuring the hours that someone is sitting in a seat 
right? I, um, Frederick Taylor, the, the father of scientific management used to, you know, the creator of what we now know is like stopwatch management, right? Where you would go in and like, look at what people are doing and like categorize it by minute and just make sure that everything, like how, how people work is very prescribed. That didn't work then. It doesn't work now. And I feel like sometimes we want to treat our people like wrenches and they're not wrenches. They're humans, they're people. Um, and I firmly believe that you can be more productive in a remote environment, but you can be productive in an in-person environment too. It's not like you have to be in one environment for it to work. Right. We're adaptable too, and can really learn to work in the environments that you're set up in. Look, I've been fully remote since 2020 and by no means have I felt my productivity has slipped. I've, I've had a very productive last three years and you have as well as you've been sharing. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it is funny to see that perception thought about with a work from home culture, but couldn't be further from the truth. I think you have to be really careful too, because I think what you see a lot in the media is timelines, right? Like, or so you yeah. see like, just like lines in articles that are just like, Oh, productivity down. And, and, you know, I'm, I researched this as part of my PhD and this is like an area of study for me personally. And when you dig into the research, it's just not true or it's so nuanced or it's so like, you know, five people in a, you know, in a call center somewhere weren't as productive typing words, you know, that's, that builds a story and the narrative that I think a lot of people are unfortunately attaching themselves to um, and making it harder for a lot of people who would probably do better in a remote first environment. Yeah, 100%. And I think it goes back to what you had said at the top too, with what's driving a lot of these large organizations like Amazon to come out and say, hey, we need to be back in office. And it's that feeling of, okay, this is what we've always known has worked. And this is the answer to productivity, but it's not necessarily the case. Yeah, no, I think it's just a pendulum, right? I think the pendulum swung one way really hard. I think at times it's going to swing back. I personally believe that over time, what you'll see is more of a remote environment. I think for organizations like Amazon or organizations that have to have a specific subset of their population in a physical location, right? So warehousing or medical, like you can't perform surgery in your kitchen. Right. Um, I think there's, I think it's harder for those organizations. Certainly they can't go fully remote, but to, fully embrace some of their team members being remote. I, cer I certainly think my, my background is almost entirely manufacturing and it's certainly harder to embrace remote work at all when you have to have a subset of your population in-house. In but that's where the opportunity for flexibility comes in. And you can explore other options between the two extremes of remote first or fully in office. Somewhere in between can be your answer depending on, again, your corporate culture depending on really what works for your business. Yeah. And I certainly don't believe that you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like you have people who are required to be in person, so you can never have a fully remote staff member. I don't think that's true. Um, and I think that if your, if your culture is so fragile that that is the way you have to think about it, then I think you should rethink your culture. I love that. That's a great point. All right. So myth three, and this one ties in nicely to, again, that push for a lot of what we're hearing as organizations, especially the large enterprises, large corporations are encouraging to come back to office. You heard it with Disney, especially with Bob Iger, even saying that collaboration was a key to bringing people back in person. 
So myth three, remote work stifles innovation, creativity, and collaboration. What have you seen with that being remote first? I mean, I'm going to go back to the argument I made before about distributed teams, right? While there can be innovation when you're in person, we've done innovation well forever being distributed. Like, I'm confident that Disney has people that work in different Disney locations, Florida and California, for instance. Have they never innovated? Right. Um, I mean, I think that I think that that is an, another one of those unfortunate just taglines that people latch on to. Certainly we've seen remarkable amounts of innovation. Do you have to be intentional about the way you innovate, about the way you show up? Yes. Are there times for full teams to get together to innovate and collaborate and whiteboard in person? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I do not want to discount the value in that because I see value in that. Right. Um, and I see value in dinners and coffees and, you know, going out and having a nice meal with colleagues. I certainly see value in that. And Crunchbase makes space for that. But at Crunchbase, we have what we call bases. And they're like locations within the United States of America where we have like clusters and pockets of employees. Oh, cool. Um, and we have a base in the Southeast. And I had dinner or I, I had breakfast with the team a few months back. And I told them, I was like, the only reason I like y'all so much and I'm so excited to be here is because I don't have to be with you every single day. And obviously that was intended to be funny, but we make space for that because we do understand the value in that connection. Um, but there are, I feel more connected to team members I have never met in person than I did to team members I sat next to for years. Yeah, it's always that special moment too. I went through it as well in 2021, joining the group here at HR Daily Advisor and working with colleagues who I hadn't met in person probably until a year or two later. Mm -hmm. I think so many of us have had those opportunities in the last couple of years, but those can be really intentional. I think that's the point is that you can still collaborate, still feel a closeness and an innovative spirit with a team without having to be actually in person. For me, it's about making space for what works, right? And I totally. think that, um, and iterating on it, right? I don't have any, there's no silver bullet. If there was, we would have found it by now and we would be using it, but that's not our reality. Well, that is great. Look, so we just unpacked three myths there. There are countless ones. Those were three that really jumped out to me. Thank you for digging into those, Kelly. Now, as we're looking at just that idea of using remote first or hybrid or fully in office as a key component of your corporate culture, how can organizations showcase some of these unique benefits? Remote first, that's unique. How can you showcase those out in market and utilize those policies as a tool for recruiting and retaining top talent? I mean, I think it's really easy to recruit and retain as a remote first employer now because there is a push back to return to office. Um, I mean, we certainly I think how you how you brand yourself is wildly important. Um, you know, I think branding is such an interesting Thing. I would certainly like to see more organic branding because I think our I think employees, I think people who are going to come work for your organization are just going to be far more excited about what people are writing about your company than what you put on your like really pretty fancy LinkedIn page. Um, I think that one of, you know, for instance, one of the things um, that drew me and attracted me to Crunchbase 
was one of our team members who was talking about how he was so proud of working for Crunchbase because Crunchbase had made space for him as someone who's neurodiverse. And I read that as a candidate when I was still interviewing for the CPO role. And I was like, that's it. That's the company. That's who I want to go work for. Um, So I would rather see us, I would rather see branding be more of something that is organically created by the employees who truly do love working for our organization. But it is pretty easy, quite frankly, now to recruit remote first staff because of the push otherwise. I'm so glad you touched on that employment brand piece too. We did an episode recently discussing the importance of employment brand and the different levels that you can really bring your brand forward. And tools such as Glassdoor, those tell so much about what the experience is and can really help make that decision as an employee of this is where I want to stay or this is where I want to go as my next step. Yeah. And I love when people make culture-based decisions on why they want to be at an organization, right? Right. Um, that, the, you, you know, you should always make career decisions, right? You should always make sure it's a job fit, but more than anything, make sure that the company is a culture fit um, because you won't do your best work unless you're at an organization where you match the culture. Oh, so well said. Now, again, we're here with Kelly Schaub, Chief People Officer at Crunchbase. Kelly, as a career member of the HR community, is there one emerging trend that you're excited about right now in the HR and people operations space? I mean, I'm excited about probably what most are excited about is the utilization of AI in the people space, right? I think it has such a possibility to make us smarter. Um, Some people fear it. They think it's going to make us dumber. I debated this with my CTO the other day. I think it's going to make us smarter. Um, I think it's going to give our brain space to not think in simply tactics. It'll take some of that tactical stuff away and it'll let us think differently about how we It'll let us think differently and more deeply about how we show up um, for our workforce. I'm pretty excited about it. I use use AI in a lot of what I do just to help make space for more of the fun work. Yeah, I love that. I could not agree more, too. I think it's understanding how to use AI as a tool and not as a crutch. Uh, I think as more teams learn how to do that and how to integrate AI into their workday to work more effectively, that's when I think it will click. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to proceed with caution with any new technology. And I think that as long as you're willing to do that, but also willing to be experimental. And um, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, definitely one to be excited about. Now, Kelly, as I mentioned, being chief people officer at Crunchbase, what are you excited about at Crunchbase right now? Do you have anything going on? Is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners about Crunchbase? I think Crunchbase is on such a remarkable journey. Um, right now, really in a beautiful season of thinking about things differently, using technology um, to help make us better and stronger um, as an organization. I think we're on a remarkable journey for the future. That's great. And where can our listeners who maybe want to learn more about Crunchbase, where can they go? Crunchbase.com is our platform. Okay, great. So again, a great, great place to go at Crunchbase.com. We'll link all to that through our site with the post for this episode. Now, Kelly, we talked at the start really about your career journey, so let's bring it back there a bit. As the first chief people officer at Crunchbase, I'm sure there were just a lot of great learning opportunities to be gained even in that first initial year as their chief people officer. But what's something you've learned about yourself over the past year that you feel has made you a better leader? 
Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal question. I joined Crunchbase coming from a public organization where, you know, when you're in a public organization, things are pretty tight-lipped. Um, you know, you've got to protect what you share because of public, all the things public market. Crunchbase operates in a very different way as it relates to transparency. And it is, for me, or jumping into this organization, I was, I was a little shell-shocked. I was like, what? We tell, we, we talk about that? Like, we talk about that openly? Um, and I have loved it. Um, it is not always easy to be wildly and radically transparent, but it is always right. And I feel really strongly about that being one of the biggest skills that I've gained in the last year. And that, that comes from our leadership team. That comes from our CEO down. It's the amount of transparency we can share with our employees. Honest transparency is just critical. That's got to be refreshing, too, to be able to be transparent and just open and honest. It is, um, it is absolutely refreshing. It is wonderful. And it wasn't like my history has been lying. It was just more, you know, unable to share due to different, different factors, but that's never been our reality at Crunchbase. And we're just always willing to share as much as we can at the time. And I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the transparency that comes from our team members and I appreciate the transparency we're able to share. That's fantastic. Now, one thing we love to do with the HR Works podcast as well is provide information, provide advice that we can pay forward to our audience of listeners. So again, as someone who's found a lot of success in the HR community, do you have a piece of professional advice that you've leaned on that has helped you through and helped you find success that you can pay forward and pass along to our audience of HR and recruiting professionals? Yeah, um, I thought about this. I got this question ahead of time. So I had some time to think about this one. You know, I think the best piece of advice I would share, and I can explain it, is you own your story. And what I mean by that is there will, there will be people over the course of your career who will try to write the narrative for you. They will tell you how good you are. They will tell you how bad you are. They will tell you how you're too strategic or not strategic or tactical or functional or whatever. They'll, they'll tell you all of these things. You get to write. You're, you control your story. It's yours and it's only yours. And people are going to have lots of opinions about you over the course of your career. But I would just stay true to who you are and know what, what, what the story is that you're writing. I love that. Thank you for that, Kelly. That is fantastic. Now, here's one final question that you weren't able to prepare for, but I think is a great way for us to close out. And it's built in around motivation. So when you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor, what is the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? Coffee. You know, I think it's really easy to do what I do, right? I, um, I really love what I do. Um, and I think that that makes my job a joy. That's not the reality for everyone. So I think everyone needs to figure out what it is that drives them to keep going. Um, you know, I was texting with a friend earlier today and their response to me was, well, I'm here for the paycheck. And I was like, oh, that's, that's sad, but I understand that that's your reality right now. So what is it that keeps you going and what is it that keeps you motivated? Um, but it's easy for me. I love what I do and I drink a lot of coffee. There you go. Those two things <laughs> will, will get you going in the morning, but thank you for sharing that, Kelly. So again, Kelly Schaub, Chief People Officer at Crunchbase. Kelly, thank you for being on the HR Works podcast. Thanks for helping us debunk some of these myths that are built around remote cultures and really proving that it can be a successful way to operate and run a team. So again, thanks for sharing that. 
Look, I definitely want to have you back on at some point to dig into this idea of spaghetti career pathing. That is definitely interesting to me. So we'll have to have you back. But Kelly, again, thank you for your time today and look forward to keeping this conversation going in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible. 